following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, I remember when um, Tracy and I bought our first house. I mean, we still live in this house. Uh, it's our, our only house, but um, thank you, Matt. And it's a big old 125-year-old house in the city, and um, we bought it there uh, because, well, for a number of reasons, but the big ones were that it was right next to some very close friends of ours, and we could share a backyard together. And um, we actually did a, we fenced in the, the whole property, these adjacent backyards, and we have this big area back there where we can, um, the kids can play, and we, we have cookouts and parties back there, and um, since then, those original friends have moved on, and now Anna and Elliot are there, and Pat is in the house next to us, and um, we jokingly call this place the compound, um, jokingly. Uh, but it's really a wonderful uh, in, little intentional community. We share lawnmowers and um, all kinds of tools and things like that. And uh, it's been a great, great experience for us. Now, of course, it hasn't always been easy being a homeowner. Um, there are always unexpected challenges, which makes you wonder why I use the word unexpected. I think you'd, uh, you'd, you'd anticipate these things, but we never anticipate them exactly right, do we? Those of you who are homeowners know this. Um, you have that big, exciting moment, and then suddenly it's all yours. And whenever anything breaks, it's all yours. <laughs> um, and our first winter in this property was, uh, you, if you're a Rochester native, you may remember this, eight or nine years ago. That was the year that it snowed every day in the month of January. We had over 100 inches of snow just in January, and I was out there shoveling the porch every day going, what have I gotten myself into? Um, you know, and, and you don't even want me to tell you about the experience that I had in my basement last month with the, uh, the contents of the pipe that I had to clean out. Um, these are the things that happen to homeowners. But, by and large, it's been a great joy to own this house and live close to friends that we love. And it's been a really huge blessing to us and a, and a big part of our life. Our kids have uh, known no, no other home and so uh, we have these great relationships, and there's a stability in our lives that, that probably wasn't there before. I uh, have a drinking problem. <laughs> yes, uh, podcast listeners, uh, I just spilled water on myself <laughs> and made a stupid dad joke. Uh, so we... <laughs> We have this real sense of rootedness in our neighborhood. We love owning this house, and, and it's, we've never really regretted making that big decision. And uh, as many of you know, last summer, we as a church, Artisan Church, made a similar big decision in our, our young life together. Uh, and we purchased this building, which we had rented for many years and was already kind of like home to us. But if something went really wrong, uh, you know, say if the roof needed to be replaced <laughs> at a cost of tens of thousands of dollars, you know, mom and dad still would t- take care of something like that. Um, but as of last June, we, we own the place. Well, the bank owns it, but we own, we're getting there. Um, and we did it for some of the same reasons that Tracy and I bought the house that we did. We've got this big yard out here where our kids play and where our neighbors hang out. And we, we barbecue and we press cider 
We deep fry turkeys, and uh, we have a great time out there. And it's close to friends, and we've built relationships with the neighborhood and, and with, with our neighbors. And it has been a great joy to us, hasn't it, this building? Um, those of you who are artists and regulars and have ownership of this community are nodding your head, saying this has been a great joy to us to own this building. And so in the next couple of weeks, today and next week, um, I want to recap for you where we've been, really over the last year and a half, because the, the story starts back then. And I also want to talk about what's coming next for us. And uh, to those of you who are really new here or might be visiting today, uh, I do want to, I, I would just want to let you know this is a little bit of family business, and um, hopefully it will be interesting to, uh, to witness, and, and it'll be a little window into our life together as a church, but... Uh, if it's, if it's not connecting with you personally because you're not really connected here yet, um, just hang tight for a couple of weeks. We'll be uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming in, in uh, the first Sunday of Lent, which is February 17th. So um, if you recognize this graphic and deeply rooted and you know what that means, will you be surprised to learn that it's been about a year and a half since we did this? I'm surprised to learn that. Am I wrong about that? Did I do the math wrong? This was October and November of, of 2011, wasn't it? So we're almost up to a year and a half. Um, and in that series, you probably remember, we talked a lot about trees. Trees was a wonderful central metaphor for us during that, that series. We talked about how healthy trees need deep roots. And have you ever seen a, a big tree, like a big old tree that's, that's been blown over for some reason, uprooted somehow? And you see how, that doesn't happen very often, but when you see it, it's pretty striking. I had, I've got a picture, um, which I uh, borrowed without permission from the central New Jersey sun. Um, but you can see this tree has fallen over. It's a little washed out there, but you can see how big that root bed is. I mean, it's bigger than two people stretching their arms across. And that's what, that's what makes a big old tree become a big old tree. It's got these big roots that go down in the ground really deeply. No roots in the tree means short life, sour fruit, thin branches, and general uselessness as a tree. Deep roots mean longevity and strength, health, good fruit. There's a, a Bible passage that we, that we used again and again during our original Deeply Rooted series. I'd like to read just a, a couple of verses to you now. It's from Jeremiah 17. Great Old Testament passage. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. This image of a tree planted by water was our, that's our dream. That's what we want to be as artisan church. And what I said a year and a half ago, do you remember I had these, these apple trees in pots? How there's so much potential in an apple tree in a pot, but if you leave it in the pot, it's, not, it's never going to be what it's meant to be. It's not going to bear fruit. 
It's not going to put the roots down. It's not going to become strong. It's not going to last for a generation. It's just going to sit there and be pretty for a while and then die. And what I said then was that, because it was true then, is that artisan is like a tree in a pot. Do you remember I said that? Those of you who are here a year and a half ago now, I can't believe it's been a year and a half. You're going to see in a minute what we've done in a year and a half. It's pretty incredible. But artisan was like a tree in a pot, and we knew that we couldn't exist that way indefinitely. It was time to plant ourselves, to put down roots in this place. And so we raised money, and we purchased the building um, and closed on it uh, in June. And it's ours now. Pipes and all. (laughs) So our four themes for Deeply Rooted were and are fruit, shelter, stability, and seed. These are the four things that you get when you plant a tree, when you take it out of the pot and put it in the ground. Fruit, shelter, stability, and seed. And I want to talk briefly today about the first two, and next week we'll talk about the third and the fourth one. But fruit and, and shelter are the ones for today. Uh, the key verse that I want to share with you for for fruit is uh, this lovely thing that Jesus said to his disciples in John 15. And if you'd like to follow along, you can, um, or you can just listen. It's just a few verses. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. And uh, many times, I think this is one of them, this, these, what he says to his disciples then can apply to his disciples today, which is you and me. Um, verses 12 through 17. Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Here's the key verse. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Fruit for one season would be nice. Fruit for many, many, many seasons is what we're aiming for. And this, this theme, fruit, is really my favorite of the, uh, of the whole campaign because I like open-endedness. And fruit, I mean, fruit could mean almost anything. Fruit has almost infinite definitions for us. Um, we could think about our, our five values, awe, beauty, roots, community, and justice, and how all of those are the fruit that we bear as a community. And, and we could certainly talk about how being permanently placed here enables us to, to bear those fruits and, and to bear them richly for the benefit of our community and our neighborhoods and our city. On an individual level, you know, some of you, that the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that if a person has the Holy Spirit within, um, some, some, some of my Bible quiz nerds can, can list this off exactly, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, right? You guys are smart. That's the fruit that we see as Holy Spirit people. If if those fruit are not 
blossoming in your life, you probably want to check for the absence of the Holy Spirit, because that is the fruit of the Spirit. Unlike, and this is a kind of deep cut church Christianity stuff, but unlike the gifts of the Spirit, which are given differently to each person, the fruit of the Spirit seem to be expected of all of us who follow Christ and who have the Holy Spirit. So we want to bear fruit as individuals. And what better place to do that than in a community with each other? We could think about fruit as the ministries that we do. And we're going to be talking in the next couple of months about great ways to find your area of ministry if you haven't already done so. Um, we'll, ha- we'll have a quick announcement about that after the service. Um, and then we'll, you know, uh, Doug's going to teach Journey Together too, Doug and Sue, again in, in March, which is a great workshop where you can figure this stuff out. But fruit could look all these different ways. And I love this metaphor. I love this metaphor that if we, as a community of individuals, are planted here, we're going to bear fruit and good fruit and for a long time. So fruit is the first theme. Second theme is shelter. And I have, um, I'm going to rattle off a few, I think three quick Old Testament passages talking about shelter. First one is from Psalm 27. It says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And then it goes on to say, He will set me high on a rock. Psalm 61, verse 4, Let me abide in your tent forever. Find refuge under the shelter of your wings. One that I don't have on the screen here, but I've shared before how it was a verse that my mom read to me at night when I was scared when I was a little tiny boy. Psalm 91, about dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. And it uses that that image of of a mother hen gathering chicks under her wings again. It's a beautiful, beautiful image of God. Um, Isaiah 25, verse 4, For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm, and a shade from the heat. So, and there's a lot more. I mean, when we had a whole week to talk just about shelter, there was a lot more. But you can see from the picture that's painted in these beautiful Old Testament verses that it's in God's nature to be a shelter for those who are needy and poor and hurt and scared and in danger. And it's my belief that the New Testament shows us that, that this is worked out and expressed for all humanity for all time through God's Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus, the shelter of God that was, uh, that was offered in the Old Testament just to the Israelites is extended and offered to everybody. You know, and that, that jarring psalm, if you were here for the call to worship this morning, was that psalm a little bit jarring? All this stuff about celebrating the the God's wrath over your enemies and that kind of thing. All this sectarianism and nationalism that was present in that culture, which unfortunately is not gone from our culture today. But in Christ, that, that, that enmity between Jews and Gentiles is gone. And not just Jews and Gentiles, but as the Bible says, slaves and free people, male and female, on and on and on. He's broken down the, the, the dividing walls between us. But the point is that that shelter is now extended to us, to me and to you, to our friends, to our neighbors, to those we don't know but who need it. 
And here's the really cool thing. When we as a church position ourselves as a place of shelter, what we are doing is nothing less than living out and reflecting and embodying the image of God and doing the work of his son Jesus. That is what it means when we as a community are a shelter for people. We use the phrase weary spiritual travelers a lot. We have a number of weary spiritual travelers who come in and out of here. Sometimes they stay, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they really stay. And um, it is such a great privilege for us to be a place where people can say, I haven't had any luck connecting with the community of faith. I haven't been able to connect with God through my relationships with other people. And I came to Artisan and it was the place where I could finally do that for the first time. I always say that is the highest praise that our community can receive. I love when people tell me that. No, of course we're not perfect about that. Not everybody has that experience when they come here. But so many people have. So many of you have. Artisan is a shelter for weary spiritual travelers. And it's such a privilege to be able to do that. So we want to bear fruit and we want to be a shelter. These are the first two themes of our campaign. And we have lived that out. We've continued to do so. Owning this place has really been a way for us to to begin to expand what we can do in those ways. This campaign has been an opportunity for each one of us to be part of something much bigger than ourselves. Much bigger than any one of you, much bigger than me, much bigger than all of us put together because of that longevity. It's going to go beyond us. Thanks be to God. This campaign is an opportunity for us, has been an opportunity for many of us, to invest in something that can be a beacon of the love of Christ in our neighborhood, not just now, but for years and even decades to come. This is the greatest part about the whole thing to me because, man, God is always doing new work. And right now, it's us who are, who are working to, to come alongside the work that God is doing and to be part of it in this place. But you look around and see these little children who are not as little as they used to be, and it starts to hit home with you that our time is like almost over <laughs> to be on the edge of what God is doing. You know, it's not that many years before you have a decade. <laughs> and not that many decades before you start to get old. And it's not that God doesn't work through old people, right? I know a couple of old people. (laughs) This is not about old and young. I'm going down the wrong road here. (laughs) My point, my dearest friends, is this. Those of us who are young now or in between now will be old soon. Some of us who might be old now um, might have gone on eventually, way, way in the future. But we have children coming with us and young youth just like, it's, they're going to replace us. This is the point. If we were just doing something for ourselves, we would rent for 10 or 15 years and say goodnight. But we're not just doing something for ourselves. We're doing something for the generations that will follow us who can continue to serve and minister in this place. And eventually, they'll be playing Skrillex dubstep up here, and we'll be going, oh, why can't we have rock and roll like back in the old days of church? (laughs) 
Is that his name? I don't have any idea. <laughs> oh, God be with us. As I was saying, it's so much bigger than us. <laughs> so much bigger than us. Uh, and it's been exciting to be part of it. Many of you have been a part of it for these past 18 months. You made a, an upfront gift or a recurring pledge, or in some cases you did both. And what we have done already is pretty significant. I think I put the number on the screen. That th- this is the money that has come in already. In a year and a half, in this church of a bunch of weirdos, <laughs> right? A ragtag bunch, which, forget what I said about the age stuff a minute ago, but we are on par, fairly young, to be raising this kind of money in 18 months or a little bit less. Uh, and a church of our size, I mean, thank God that we are all here, and I love when the room is full and hearing people sing loud and all that stuff, but we're not that big a group of people to be raising this kind of money in a year and a half. Um, that's amazing. That's amazing. But here's the thing. <laughs> As new homeowners, we have met some unexpected challenges, Right? Some of you know the story of our, our desire to expand the sanctuary, to accommodate the growth that God seems to be bringing us, and the, the, the fire code issues that have come up with that um, have required us to install a very expensive sprinkler system if we want to go forward with this. Um, now, we've had congregational meetings and things like that. We don't need to go into the details of all that stuff. Uh, but the point is we, we feel like we are uh, called to, to do this ministry. Uh, in the way that we envisioned it and, and the values that God gave us years ago and that every step along the way he's been present and giving us guidance and leadership. And so we don't want to do a 180 at this point. We, we really want to see if we can press on and finish this project um, despite the, the uh, added cost. Now, we could pay for the expansion and the sprinklers out of what we've already raised plus whatever remaining will come in in the next half of a year or so. Uh, the problem with that is there will be very little left over to pay down our mortgage principal. Now, um, we're going to talk about FPU again today, and that's starting on Tuesday, and it's not too late to get involved with that. Uh, for those of you who want some help handling your finances, this is a great way to do it. But many of us have been through it already, and we know we have this... We just, our brains have been refused. The neurons or something I shouldn't talk about biology because I'll just get it wrong. But we have had this change of heart about how we handle our finances and we, we are kind of allergic to carrying around giant portions of debt and we want to pay that down, right? We have people who've paid off all their debt except their mortgage, um, completely debt-free except for their house um, through this program. So it's, the reason you want to do that is because it frees you up to do so much more. It is, it's simple math, right? If you're not paying $300 a month to a car payment, you can use that $300 a month to do so many other things. It's true with a mortgage payment. It's true in your individual lives, and it's true in the life of the church. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what our mortgage payment is, uh, but it's, it's many hundreds of dollars a month. That if we were to pay off this debt early, we could do amazing things with that money. And we want this church to be vibrant and healthy and free to respond to real needs that might arise at a moment's notice, even big ones. That is the kind of freedom that you want to look for in your own life 
and we want to look forward to the life of the church. And, and so we want to raise some additional money. We were already going to do this, this revisited thing for the campaign, and then the timing just sort of snuck right in there, interestingly enough, um, that, that this need arose. And so here's how I'd like to ask you to respond. Well, I'm not going to ask you to respond today. What I want you to do is think this week and pray this week. And um, you will fall into one of these categories. First of all, there's a category of people who are visiting today, and they're like, oh, my goodness, why did I come? Um, I'm sorry. Come back in two weeks. It will all be kosher. Um, so for those, if you're, like, in all seriousness, if you're in that group, just think about football for the next few minutes. Um, <laughs> Some of you made pledges to be part of the, this original campaign uh, in November 2011. Uh, you made your, your pledge to, to give weekly or monthly for a period of two years. And what we have decided to ask for those of you who are already part of that campaign is if you would be willing to extend that gift for one extra year. Um, this, is, uh, this wasn't our, my idea. It wasn't the idea of the leadership team. This, this idea was presented to us probably half a dozen times by different people who didn't know that they were independently coming and suggesting this. Just said, hey, you know, we've got to pay for these sprinklers. What if you just asked everybody to give an extra year on this campaign? And, and the really fascinating thing is that if everybody in the campaign did that, it would almost exactly pay for the cost of the, the sprinkler system that we need to install. Now, I don't expect that everybody's going to do that, but... That's what we're asking you to consider. If you're already part of this campaign, consider giving for one extra year. That would make a big, big difference. Now, some of you had the means to give, instead of monthly, you gave one or maybe two larger donations. And uh, occasionally we saw the examples of people who did that and then also gave a monthly pledge, and we're grateful for that too. But if you were a person who gave once or twice in a, in a large amount, and have the means to do that again, we're just going to ask you to do that again, um, if you're able to. That's the second group of people. Now, the third group of people is those of you who are hearing about this campaign for the first time, and uh, you aren't involved at all. You came to Artisan after this had already happened, but in the last year and a half, Artisan Church has become your spiritual home. It's become your community of faith. It's your church now. And if that's the case, and, you, and if this is your church, and you haven't yet been part of this campaign, what we're going to ask of you is that you consider prayerfully um, making either a, an upfront donation or a two-year recurring pledge, which is the same thing we asked of people a year and a half ago. And I promise this time we won't come back and extend it for another year for you. Um, I shouldn't promise anything, but I, I can't imagine a scenario where we would. Um, so if you are committed to artisan, but newly so in the last year or so, um, why don't you just jump in and be part of what, what the rest of us are doing? We would love to have you be part of this. And so all of the, uh, the mechanisms for doing this online will be set up this week, and so it'll be in e-news, and next week we'll talk a little bit more about it, and then we'll, we'll kind of help you figure that out. So all that stuff will be, we'll, we'll continue to talk about it for the next few weeks. So those are the things that you can do. Um, you can extend your pledge if you already have one for an extra year. You can give a, a, you know, a one-time donation or you can join the campaign in either of those ways 
for the first time? Some simple responses. But what I want to ask you to, what I want to, want to, ask you to do this week is simply to think on it and pray on it. Um, this, is, this is a big decision to, to make in your life. And if you're a, a person who's part of a family here, you certainly want to think and pray on it together as a family. Um, we love having people be part of Artisan Church, and this is not, you know, you certainly are most welcome to continue to be part of Artisan, even if this isn't something you want to do or can't do right now. Uh, you know, um, just as I finish up here, there's a stereotype about churches that they talk about money all the time. If you ask the average person on the street what characterizes a church, it would be homophobia and talking about money in that order. That study has been done. That is what Americans think churches do. Um, Money, 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 give, give, give all the time. And I've always had this idea in my head, man, I'm I'm, I'm so glad and, and sort of proud that artisan isn't like that. We don't go around begging for money all the time. And then I was thinking about that a little more carefully yesterday, and I realized, you know what? We actually do talk about money a lot. We actually do ask people to give money a lot. In addition to our regular offering, which I think is fairly unobtrusive and, and gentle, um, we ask people to give above and beyond that all the time. And on top of that 125k that that this community has dropped in the bank in the last 18 months, there are we're well over $10,000 of other additional giving above and beyond our weekly and monthly offerings toward things like the Ugandan Water Project and the Bridges Local Justice Initiatives, Justice Initiatives, and I mean, forget about people like saying, "Oh, I heard my friend carburetor blew out. I'm going to." slip 200 bucks under his door. All that kind of stuff. I mean, probably tens of thousands of dollars on top of regular giving, on top of deeply rooted. And we, we bring those concerns to you all the time. <laughs> and so I realized, you know what? We don't, we don't break that stereotype exactly. We talk about money a lot. We ask you to give money a lot. But what, what, what I realized was that the reason I had this idea that we don't is because the, the things that we ask you to give toward I think are not the stereotypical church money grab stuff. Um, and so I didn't suddenly realize and have this, this dawning that we talk about money and thought, oh no, what have I done? What, what has Artisan Church become? We're one of those churches. I don't feel that way. In fact, I think the opposite is true. What I realize is that the culture that we have created here at Artisan is one of endless generosity. Endless generosity, just all the time, giving more and more. And I couldn't be prouder to have worked alongside you in all those efforts. And really, that's the reason why I I don't apologize to come and talk about this kind of thing, this deeply rooted, revisited thing. Because all of that seeks to serve the other types of giving that we do financially and of ourselves and of our time and, and service and all of those things. What we are trying to create is a place where all of that stuff can take root, where those fruit can be germinated and born and given out. 
where shelter can become a reality. Again, not just today and tomorrow, but for years and decades to come. We want to reach a sustainable size, essentially, where we can continue to do that stuff. And the other thing that, that makes me not want to apologize for that is that it's, it's really my very strong belief that when you are a person who gives and gives and gives and gives of yourself, and really in any way, but we're talking about money today, that your life is changed as a result of that. When your hand is open that often to give money to something or to somebody, you start to avoid this grabby thing that so many of us have with money. And, you, and, and your posture becomes one of gentleness and peace and love and selflessness. And that changes your heart. It's a myth. I'm going way long here. I'm so sorry. It's a myth that what you have to do is change your heart so that you can change your action. God changes your heart. Let that happen. But you have to do the work. <laughs> it's, it's the other way around. When you just step out in faith and, and do something selfless, that's how you become a selfless person. It's not by some, like, passive miracle that you're going to become a selfless person, then all of a sudden you're going to give a lot of money away. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way with money. It doesn't work that way with love. It doesn't work that way at all. You do it, and then you become it. That's how it works. And so I am proud to have been part of creating a culture of open-handedness with money. It's just part of our lives. It's, it's nothing to be overly skittish about. Let's make it part of the kingdom work that we're doing. So in conclusion, I have one more Bible verse for you today. The Apostle Paul, when he was asking congregations for money, said this, Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Oh God, is that my prayer, that all of you would hear me saying this, echoing the words of Paul. All you can do is listen to God's voice, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and be obedient. Um, and if, if, you would, if you're thinking that you're going to give money but it's going to be reluctantly or under compulsion of that, that pastor guy, just don't do it. That is really, really not what I want us to be about. I want it to look like this. So this week, think and pray. There are our, our old deeply rooted booklets which are a little bit outdated, but they have all the themes, all the pictures, all the great stuff in them. They are scattered throughout the building today. Please take one home with you. Uh, look at it throughout the week. Think about what you might like to do. Pray about what you might like to do and what, what you might sense God is calling you to do. And we'll talk more specifically in the next few weeks about how to, how to work that out together. All right? Let's pray. God, thank you for being present in all of our life, in our relationships in our health, in our money. It's my prayer, O oh Lord, that, um, that this conversation has been uh, one that's been a blessing to people, that these thoughts of, of bearing fruit and of being a shelter have really taken root in our minds and that those realities would take root in this place, that we would be deeply rooted to do the work to which you have called us in the place to which you've called us, today 
next year and for decades to come, and that, that our next, the next generation to follow us would be able to continue it because of what we have done this year and next year. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us about what you'd call us to do. Uh, give, give us peace um, about those decisions, whether it's to give nothing or to give so much. Be present in that. Bless us and uh, multiply it for the good of your kingdom. Amen. Well, thank you for being part of this little family business discussion. Uh, We'll do it again next week, and uh, we'll talk about uh, uh, stability and seed next week. But regardless of whether you are a person who feels like you can participate in this campaign, whether it would be appropriate for you to do so or not, if you are following Jesus in this place today, it is absolutely appropriate for you to be around the table of the Lord with us together. Money has nothing to do with this question. Um, Receiving his body and blood, remembering his sacrifice, joining in unity together as a community of faith, all of those things are gifts that God gives to us. And I I open the table and extend that gift to all of you uh, who would follow Jesus today. Just tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in one of the, one of the cups, and receive the food for your souls. Um, while you're up and around, please don't go collect your kids and apologize to the teachers for me, because I went a little long today. Uh, we're going to sing a couple of more songs together before we leave, and uh, don't forget the prayer team will be here if you'd like to have prayer. Um, whatever your response might be, do it in obedience to God, and let's continue to worship Him together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.